the Outside the Swamp podcast is on the air. From the CJC on the campus of the University of Florida, it's the next generation of Gator Sports media personalities, bringing you the latest in Gator Sports, courtesy of the Orange and Blue Sports Network. It's the Outside the Swamp podcast. Welcome back to the Outside of Swamp podcast on the Orange and Blue Sports Network. My name is Miguel Molina. Here again with me is my co-host, Shelby Hickman. We are entering the final slate of the fall semester with all the sports going on, but we have plenty to talk about today. We will talk about swimming and diving, cross country, and tennis. With that said, let's head right into it. So yeah, let's talk about swimming and diving first. From the last time we talked, the Florida swimming and diving teams have simply dominated. On November 3rd, both of the women's and men's teams swept the competition against Tennessee and Kentucky. The men moved on to 4-0 on the season, while the women improved to 4-1. There were 11 first-place finishes for the women, 10 for the men. In total, 63 first-place finishes to start the 23-24 and swimming season. So, yeah, I mean, when looking at the women's team, they've done really well this year. Uh, You know, as I mentioned, a lot of first-place finishes, but for you know, the time purposes, I won't talk about all of them because there was a lot. Uh, you know, two of the biggest stars from the meets were uh, Isabel I- uh, Ivy and Bella Sims. Ivy placed first in the women's 100 backstroke. Then she won the women's 100 freestyle. And after that, she won the women's 100 fly. And lastly, she won the 400 free relay. And for Sims, she won the women's 200 medley relay. She then placed first in the women's 200 fly, then won the 200 backstroke and the 400 free relay alongside Ivy. So both of these girls have performing really well for the women's team. So, yeah, I mean, going forward, like in the rest of the season for swimming and diving, I think the Gators are in pretty good shape. Yeah, I would absolutely agree. I mean, we've seen a lot of really great stuff from the men's team as well. And before I go into that, in recent news, the Gators have signed eight new uh members to the 2024-25 team. So before I go into the 2023 squad and, you know, how well they're doing, like we mentioned, just want to talk about these new recruits for a second. So these signees are going to include Paul Dardis. He is the third-ranked recruit from Canada for the class of 2024. And then we also have Devin Dilger, who is the number one-ranked recruit in the state of Michigan, and he holds multiple state records. So these are going to be some really great additions for the Gators. Continuing on, they've also signed Matthew Cairns. He's from Newcastle, England, so another international Gator to add to the squad. And he was the English Junior National Finalist. Coming back stateside, we've got Luke Corey, who has all kinds of accolades, out of coming out of Crofton, Maryland, he is a three-time Scholastic All-American, USA Olympic trial qualifier, five-time gold medalist in Maryland for the 2023 state championships. Like he just keeps on racking up these accolades in high school, so I am so excited to see what he's going to do for the Gators and throughout his collegiate career. Then to keep going forward, we've got another international Gator in Alex Painter. He's out of Somerton, England. He is the number one overall ranked recruit in Great Britain's class of 2024. And keeping it over in Europe, we've got Fred Lindholm, who's coming out of Denmark. He is the Nordic champion and a multi-time Danish national champion. And then keeping it international once again, we've got Aiden Norman, who is coming out of Canada. He is the number one ranked recruit from Alberta and is a two-time junior world bronze medalist. And then wrapping things up for this group of eight new recruits, we've got 
Luke Whitlock out of Indiana. He is the number two overall recruit in the state of Indiana, member of the 2023-24 U.S. National Junior Team, and is an Indiana swimming state record holder and the state champion. So even though the Gators already have this fantastic squad with them right now, it's only going to continue to get better and better with all of these additions. And like we said, the men's team currently is undefeated and they sit at third in the nation. And uh, last week, Johnny Marshall was named the SEC Men's Freshman of the Week last week uh, after his stellar performance in that tri-meet against Tennessee and Kentucky. The men's team for Florida topped both schools. They outscored Tennessee 169 to 131 and then just absolutely decimated Kentucky 239 to 58. And now, like Miguel said, we could spend all day talking about individual numbers and highlighting individual performances, but for the sake of time, I will just say this Florida team is very, very good. Yeah, like you said, they're really, really good, and they're only going to get better. You know, they did a really good job recruiting, um, getting new uh, eight new recruits, and so, yeah, I mean, overall, this is a strong program. I mean, you know, Florida overall, like, you know, football hasn't been doing too hot like in the past decade, but, you know, overall, the other sports continuing to kill it, continuing to, you know, recruit well, continuing to, you know, be dominant, I guess, not just in the SEC, but in the NCAA. So going forward for the rest of the season, you know, it's going to be exciting to see what exactly the Gators can do. Um, And, you know, in their next meet, they got, they're going to Athens uh, for the Georgia Fall Invitational. So both the men's and women's team will be competing there this weekend. And yeah, both of the squads, biggest rivals, you know, we all know about Georgia. We all know about them in football. We'll see how we do, you know, swimming and diving. And yeah, that said, I think that's pretty much all we have to say right now about the swimming and diving team. So let's move right along to uh, cross country. And well, yeah, when we left off with cross country, the Gators were gearing up for the SEC championship. Well, that did happen, and the men's placed seventh in the race. However, the women's team was able to win it all and take home the conference title. And once again, like if you remember from the last podcast, what I said, I said Parker Valby is her, and she continues to be her because she once again won the SEC individual race for the second year in a row, winning her second straight race of the season as well. This marks, you know, the first SEC cross-country title since uh, 2012 for the Gators women's cross-country team. And yeah, but interesting to note about that, Parker Valby, she absolutely cooked the field. She won the race by 33.8 seconds. That's absolutely astounding. Oh, absolutely. And then she just keeps continuing to get better and better every single race. I mean, she once again proved her dominance, helping the team punch their ticket to the NCAA finals. She won her third straight race, winning the NCAA South Regional Individual Award. And like that's her second year in a row placing first in this event. Like she just continues to dominate her the field and I am so excited to see uh, what she continues to do. And, like, she's been getting accolades for this incredible performance as well. Like, she was named the SEC Runner of the Year for the second year in a row as well. So she's just, like you said, she's her. Yeah, I mean, the Gators women cross-country team, is they're very dominant. They're going into, uh, I believe, this weekend. They're going to be competing in the national championship in uh, Charlottesville, Virginia. But with the men, I mean, the men, they made great strides this year, I would say. I mean, they placed 10th in the uh, regional, the NCAA South Regional. However, 
you know, although they were not able to qualify, like I said, they made great strides. You know, they placed 19th last year in this event, and now they placed 10th. So, yeah, some, you know, they're moving forward and going in the right direction. That's what, you know, that's what we want to see. And then for the women, like, they've never won a cross-country national championship. And now they have, a you know, with Parker Valby, like a generational talent like her, um, you know, they have a really good chance. They have a really good chance going into uh, Charlottesville to get the job done. And, you know, I truly believe that this group is special. You know, last year it was only Valby, right, who competed in the national championship individually. But now the entire team gets to go. And so for her, you know, she said the other day that she's very excited to go with her teammates after only going with herself last year. It's going to be a great learning experience for the team. And overall, you know, the coach said as well, you know, newcomer coach from Alabama, he said that, um, you know, they're excited to see what this team can do. You know, like winning is always the goal. But this team, like I said, I think the highest they've ever placed was six um, in the national championship. So we'll see what happens. And yeah, I mean, I do, in my opinion, I do think this is Parker Valby's race to lose, given how dominant she has been. What do you think about that? Yeah, I mean, she came, she was the runner up last year, came in competing alone. So I think that she absolutely has like made tremendous strides so far this season, even though she was already incredible last year. And I really do think that the having her team behind her is going to help a lot. I mean, I played competitive sports. I was a competitive dancer my entire life. And when I would be on stage performing solos, it was so nice having my team out and the crowd cheering me on and like just kind of feeling like you're not alone. So for her, I think having like her team surrounding her, knowing that she's got this support system there, I think that's honestly going to work wonders for at least the mental side of it. Like I, I just, I really feel like she, she can do it. She's won three straight. Like why, why stop now? Yeah. Why? Yeah. Why not? You know, like that's the saying is like, why not? Can it be you? Like, you know, she, I think she has a really good chance. And so, yeah, I think that's pretty much going to wrap up uh, what we got talking about, you know, with cross country. So we're looking forward to seeing what they can do going forward. Yeah, so turning things over, we'll move into tennis. The uh, ITA Division I Collegiate Tennis Singles and Doubles Rankings for November have been released, and the national rankings are for the top 125 men's and women's singles and then the top 60 men's and women's doubles teams. So we've got a handful of Gators from both the men's and women's sides featured on this list. The men's team has four singles players ranked and two doubles teams on the list. Singles include a rising star freshman out of Michigan, Aiden Kim, at 57th. He's followed by Tenapot, Nirendorn at 69th, the big Aussie who we talk about all the time, Jeremy Jin at 75th, and then rounding out the singles group is going to be Jan Magnus Johnson at 86th. And then it is worth noting that coming into the season during the preseason uh, rankings, Nate Bonetto was ranked in the top 100 for singles, but he has since fallen off due to kind of a lackluster performance on his part. I mean, towards the end of the season, I did see a lot of improvement, and I think that heading into uh, team competition in the spring, uh, we're going to see a lot more from him. But with that being said, both doubles teams that were ranked include Bonetto, actually. Um, him and Aiden Kim ranked 38th when they play together. And then Bonetto and Jeremy Jin are ranked 48th. So I think that that's going to be a good kind of morale booster for him, kind of knowing that um, like going into team competition in the spring – 
that he's still got it despite not really having that great of an individual showing this fall. Yeah, I mean, it's been a wild season, I would say, overall for tennis. Like, you know, there's been a it's a roller coaster. There's been a lot of ups and downs. Unfortunately for Bonetto, like, you know, things haven't necessarily gone his way. Like, like you said, kind of fallen off a little bit. So, yeah, I mean, it's it's going to just be interesting. I mean, I, I believe, you know, going forward, this program, they, they got good strides. You know, like it's there's a lot of high expectations right after Ben Shelton was here and then, you know, there's now like this buzz around Gators men's tennis, so we'll see. But yeah, anyways, uh, now let's move. Speaking of men's, oh, you have something to add? Yeah, actually, just popped into my brain. I was gonna move forward, but like you said, there's a lot of high expectations around this team, especially given that they do have a first-year head coach. So I think that the entire team has a lot to prove coming off of how dominant they've been over the last couple seasons with Ben Shelton on the team, Brian Shelton as their coach. And so now they're kind of moving into this new era, and I feel like they have a lot of hype to live up to. So I'm uh, I'm looking forward to seeing what they're able to do. Yeah, I mean, speaking of being able to do things, the, uh, the men's tennis team has signed three new people. They signed... Uh, Kevin Enningren from Sweden and Henry Jefferson from Great Britain will enroll in the spring to compete in the team competition, as well as Francisco Cordova from Texas will enroll in the next fall. So let's go really quickly into each of those players. You know, you got Kevin Enningren. He's um, he had a successful ITF junior career, reaching a career high ranking of uh, 20th on the ITF circuit in June. He also competed in all four junior Grand Slams during the 2023 season, with Roland Garros being his most successful campaign, reaching the round of 32. As well, the right the righty has two singles, uh, single titles under his belt, both coming in 2022, and one double title coming from 2021. And then, uh, you know, Henry Jefferson from Great Britain, he uh, he had pretty successful ITF junior career as well. He uh, he's complained four career double titles, most recently winning the 2023 uh, J100 Laborough uh, alongside Phoenix Wire, and he has um, the singles runner-up in this tournament as well. He's, uh, you know, the 17-year-old is one of the top U18 players in Great Britain. And lastly, uh, Francisco Cordova, uh, you know, Cordova will join Florida in the fall of 2024 from uh, Kathy, Texas. Like I said, he's the high school senior, uh, has seen his fair share of success so far, winning multiple single titles. Uh, you know, he's climbed within the top 175 players on the ITF junior circuit over the summer and is considered as one of the top players in Texas. So, on the recruit, recruiting side of things, Florida continues to do well on all sides of sports, tennis especially. Like, you know, they're building something here. After, you know, Shelton leaves and um, his dad as well coaching, I think they're rebuilding. They're building a strong program. What do you think? Yeah, absolutely. I mean, moving forward, like I said, I think it's a new era and they're just going to continue to grow and get better. And you have... Some experienced guys like Jan Magnus Johnson, he's a graduate student, Nate Bonetto, a junior, alongside two really great freshmen on the team right now in Jeremy Jin and Aiden Kim. So they're kind of continuing to build on this, like the young guys, but they also have someone to kind of look up to and like the older presences on the team to kind of guide them forward. I mean, their new coach, he has so, so much uh college experience. I mean, he coached Pepperdine to a national championship, their first and I want to say only in school history back in the earlier 2000s. So like they, this is a team that knows how to win. This is a program that knows how to win and has just kind of been on the up and up over the, uh, the last couple seasons. So moving forward, I kind of 
speaking of winning, I want to move into uh, Jeremy Jin talking a little bit about his victory a couple weeks ago when before our uh, last podcast, we mentioned that he would be going to the ITF uh, tournament in Tallahassee and he won, which is just incredible. He is only 19 years old. He won the ITF 15 in Tallahassee in straight sets over 27-year-old Felix Corwin. And his progress throughout the season has just been absolutely exceptional. So there's a lot to look forward to from him this spring as he continues to develop his game during the offseason. And uh, while all of this was going on, back in Gainesville, the rest of the team was competing in the Gators Fall Invitational, and it was a pretty successful outing for the Gators. And like we said, Nate Bonetto, despite having kind of a rocky fall season, he's started to hit his stride. He posted back-to-back straight-set wins over the weekend, and then alongside Jan Magnus Johnson, they had a pretty successful doubles campaign, uh, taking down UCF's Francisco Giannis and Liam Branger's 6-4 in the uh, final set of the weekend. But I would say the biggest match of this entire weekend was the absolute show that Jan Magnus Johnson was able to put on. He played a three and a half hour set against Francisco Giannis. And like, I don't know about you, Miguel, but three and a half hours is a long time to be playing some tennis. I know that I would be exhausted after that. So uh, props to him for managing to pull that one off because he actually did drop the first set 3-6, rallied back for the last two, winning them 7-5 and 6-2. Yeah, I mean, like you said, three hours, like, that's insane. That's yeah. an insane amount of time to do anything. I mean, like, movies even that are three hours long, like, I, I start falling asleep to play tennis for three hours long. Like, I, I could not do that, let alone, like, you know, just to stay focused on just, you know, beating someone for three hours. That's a very you know, not just physically, but mentally, you know, challenging. It's like you're going against a guy like just one on one for three hours. Like It's it's a lot. It's a lot. But Jeremy Jin, you know, he's doing his thing. He's doing oh, his thing. Absolutely. He's fantastic. And so those matches were a couple weeks ago and to round. So to round out their season, Jeremy Jin was the lone Gator to qualify for the main draw at the M15 Winston-Salem. But unfortunately, he did lose in straight sets in the first round to Holden Coons. And Jeremy Jin actually came into this one as a three seed. So this was an upset. But I think this will serve as a great motivation for him moving forward. Uh, into team play in his first season this year. So, um, and with that being said, I think we can move into the women's side of things. So, like we mentioned, a pretty good handful of Gators were ranked uh, for November. And on the women's side of things, we've got Emily de Oliveira at 23rd, being the highest ranked for both sides for the men's and women's team. She had a very successful fall season. I mean, she did win the ITA Southeast Regional, which was great for her to be able to do in front of a home crowd as UF did host it. And then we've got Carly Briggs at 38th, followed by Rachel Galis at 63rd. And then on the doubles side, standout freshman duo Quavia Lopez and Molina Rowinska, they both sit at 38th. And then we've got Venti Spee and Sarah Dahlstrom at 55th. So... There's a lot of, like we've said, expectations for this team heading forward, especially with how well they put on, um, they are doing in the rankings heading into team competition. 
And since we last spoke, the Gators have competed in three tournaments. Guevia Lopez competed in the ITF Norman 15K. She received a spot in the main draw for that. But unfortunately, she fell in the first round to Jada Robinson after three very, very hard-fought sets. So props to her for being able to go out there and do that alone. But um, out on the West Coast, once again... Uh, alone. Emily De Oliveira competed in the ITA National Fall Championships in San Francisco since, like we said, she won that Southeast Regional. She lost to Savannah Broadus from Pepperdine in the first round, unfortunately. But then she went into the consolation rounds and did get a win. She beat her first opponent, Bridget Stammel of Vanderbilt, and then lost in the consolation quarterfinals to Connie Ma from Stanford. And while all of this was going on, the rest of the team, including Lopez, since she did lose her first set, she was able to join the rest of her team at the Auburn Open. Um, And some highlights that I just want to kind of bring up from that tournament was Moina Rowinska. She had a fantastic, fantastic showing during this tournament. She won both of her singles matches, but they were not at all easy wins. They were three very long sets, and in her second match, she won the tiebreak set at 10-8. to 8. So like we said, like, Miguel, that's a lot of tennis. And these are just some incredible athletes that this Gators program has, so they're going to continue to do big things. Yeah, like, like you said, they did well this season, and recently, you know, tennis is tough. Like, after what you were going down, like, what happened with these girls and, like, you know, the results, like, you, they win, but then you got to go again and do another again and again and again and win, like, multiple times in a row. Tennis is hard. It's a hard sport to be really, really, really good at. Um, but overall, I mean, I think, like you said, they're incredible athletes. I, they're going to do well continuing going into, you know, the spring. I think they have a lot of momentum, I would say heading in both sides I would say have a lot of momentum so it's going to be interesting to see what happens and you know that said you know now that the fall season has ended uh the team will have a little downtime to rest up uh for the spring season which will begin on January 11th at the Freeman uh, Memorial Tournament in Las Vegas so that should be a pretty fun time for the Gators to go in Las Vegas and you know see what they can do over there as well as play tennis (laughs) but yeah anything else you'd like to add before we go off No, I think that just about wraps it up. Like we've said on all sides, this Gators sports programs, the like, I mean, the whole reason we have this podcast is for sports that are outside of the swamp, the ones that don't get as much recognition as our bigger sports, like football and basketball and baseball. But I think that the Gators do have a really strong program for each of the sports that we've spoken about, and they're only continuing to get better and better. So until next time, I think think that's about it yeah and with that this concludes another episode of the outside the swamp podcast make sure to follow the orange and blue sports network on instagram and at twitter at obsn gators again that is at obsn gators as well make sure to follow us on youtube at the orange and blue sports network i'm miguel molina with shelby hickman thank you for listening